Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope that all of you are having fantastic Mondays, wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. It is Outkick the Show, and I want to tell you all about my new book. You're going to hear a lot about it over the next month. It is going to be out on August the 8th. I have a copy here, American Playbook. I want this book to open number one overall in the New York Times list. In order to make that happen, well, first of all, I need to figure out who else is writing a book. I, I haven't yet seen the list of who else is writing a book uh, because, you know, if like Prince Harry or Michelle Obama or somebody like that's writing a book, I'm screwed. I don't. I have not seen anybody else that has a book coming out on August 8th that is like going to just sell a million copies, all right? So let's start there. I want this to be the number one nonfiction book in America for the week that it comes out, August 8th. I want it to be so successful that the New York Times has to put this book in the New York Times bestseller list, and I would like to be number one overall. Now, I'm going to be playing uphill on this one. My last book, Republicans Buy Sneakers 2, came out, I believe, someone can fact check this, uh, it was the seventh best-selling nonfiction book for the week that it came out. I think it was seventh, might have been sixth, uh, back in 2017. I outsold basically half of the New York Times bestseller list, and seven might even be low. I might should have been four. It was something like that. If it had been an honest accounting of who sold the most books, I would have been 1 billion percent on the New York Times bestseller list. They left me off. They want to leave off people they don't like. They just left off my buddy Jesse Kelly. He should have been on the list. The reason is you have to blow through all of the numbers. If you write a woke book, the New York Times finds a way to make it seem like people actually like your book. They'll bend whatever rules are necessary to get you on their list. Because a lot of people, I used to think this, I thought the New York Times list was just the direct recitation of who bought the most books and who sold the most books, but it's not. It's a formula that favors woke, left-wing books. So you can be, I mean, if I wrote a book about how brave it was to cut your dick off, it would open number one beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like, My Dick is Gone by Clay Travis would be the number one best-selling book of all time, and I would be, uh, in the, according to the New York Times, the New York, number one New York Times bestseller. I Cut My Dick Off by Clay Travis, number one New York Times bestseller. American Playbook uh, with the subtitle of A Guide to Winning Back the Country from the Democrats. I've got to sell like triple what everybody else has to sell. Cut Your Dick Off, you only have to sell like a fraction. You're number one overall. You write a book about how to make America better again. you got to sell triple everybody else. So I want you guys to go buy this book. Money doesn't matter to me. Uh, In fact, I'll just make this pledge right now. I will donate the proceeds to the extent that I make any off this book to charity. I've got plenty of money. I want to open number one overall. I want the New York Times to have to put this book at number one overall. At a minimum, I want to be in their top list. People say, why does that matter? Put you in the front of every bookstore in America. And it still matters in terms of getting ideas out there 
a lot of people just put the New York Times bestsellers in the very front of the bookstore. So this book is not out till August 8th. You can go on to Amazon. You can buy it. And by the way, if you are a slacker, if you are a slacker and you just want to listen to the audio, I did all 10 hours. All 10 hours of this book recorded in my voice. I sat in a studio for 10 straight hours. Every word in this book I read. Uh, so you can go listen to it as well. Why not buy a book for yourself? Why not buy a book for your friend, your grandkid, your son or daughter, your friend who will not buy this book and read it otherwise, but you're like, you know what? I bet you actually are going to agree a lot with what Clay Travis says. Boom. There you go. Go buy it. You can also buy autographed copies. I'm going to be going all over the country uh, doing events, West Coast to East Coast, starting in New York City, headed all the way out to the West Coast as well, all over the East Coast. We're doing a bunch of events, Big Ten country, SEC country, Pac-12 country, ACC country. We are coming to your city, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So that is happening. All right, let's start here. Uh, some of you may have seen Mark Cuban and George Carl. I had a great time, by the way, up in Chicago. Met a bunch of you uh, who are listeners and watchers and readers uh, in Chicago. Thank you for uh, for everybody who said hi. Great time hanging out with people. Uh, and I survived, which is always a nice thing when you go to Chicago. Uh, so uh, I was there for a wedding, family wedding, lots of fun. Um, but I didn't do a show on Friday because I was immediately flying to Chicago. So some of you will have seen that Mark Cuban and I got into a back and forth. And then George Carl, formerly of the Nuggets and the Seahawks, he decided that he wanted to weigh in and take shots at me as well. Where did all of this come from? It came from my story pointing out that the NBA ratings peaked 25 years ago and they have collapsed by some 80-odd percent since then. Meanwhile, other sports, like the NFL, for instance, are posting their biggest audiences ever. Super Bowl that just passed, most watched football game ever. Uh, NCAA tournament opening rounds men's tournament, most watched ever. NCAA women's championship between LSU and Iowa, most watched ever. People like basketball. They like basketball so much that this year we have had records set all time for the most viewed basketball games. Meanwhile, the NBA is a pinprick of the audience that they had 25 years ago. If I were involved in the NBA, that's a question I'd be wondering about. How is it that people can love the NCAA tournament, men's and women's, that they can love the Super Bowl, that those sports can be sitting rec setting record highs this year, meanwhile the NBA is setting near all-time lows? What is going on with the NBA Finals that this is the case? It's a fantastic question. It's one that if I were involved in, I would be asking. Instead, people are attacking me, Mark Cuban, George Carl, for suggesting that it may be related to politics. That people, and I don't know why they refuse to acknowledge this, but I think this is important. I understand, and I think it's because I have a pretty good understanding of the American population in general, I understand that there are lots of people who both love Donald Trump and love basketball. Let me repeat that. There are lots of people, tens of millions of them, in fact, who voted for Donald Trump for president in 2020 and also love basketball. Somehow the woke sports media doesn't understand how this could be. I actually live among these people, right? I'll give you an example. I go to the SEC pretty much every weekend for like the last decade, football season, go to games everywhere. I've been to all 14 SEC football stadiums. 
uh, from Texas A&M all the way to South Carolina, Gainesville all the way to Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, Missouri. I've been everywhere. Every single Saturday in the South, huge football stadiums are filled with people who love football and Donald Trump. People who love football and are going to vote Republican in their elections. Overwhelming majorities, right? If you doubt me, go look at the crazed reception that Trump got in Alabama. I was there for the great Alabama-LSU game, Joe Burrow against Tua down at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Trump was sitting in the box. The whole stadium went crazy when they showed him on the Jumbotron and he waved at everybody in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Every single SEC football game is filled with people who love Donald Trump and football, okay? Every single SEC basketball arena is filled with people who love basketball and Donald Trump. Use Kentucky as an example. Rupp Arena, 20,000 people. At least by a 70 to 30 margin, I would venture to you, the people in Rupp Arena vote for Donald Trump and they love basketball. Huge numbers of people all over the country vote for Donald Trump and they love basketball. And they used to love the NBA until the NBA decided to start directly attacking them. And I don't understand. I mean, I, I, I will say it again. Mark Cuban, George Carl, Adam Silver, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, LeBron James, any of you woke left-wing basketball zealots, open forum on wins and losses. You can come on Clay and Buck if you want to do live radio. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why the NBA setting a high 25 years ago came back some during Kobe. Why the last four of the last five straight years are the lowest rated NBA finals in the last 30 years. Least viewed. Okay? 30 years of data on NBA playoffs, on the NBA finals. If I'm wrong, why have four of the five least watched NBA Finals of all time all happened in the last four years. While the NBA is tanking NCAA men's basketball, NCAA women's basketball, the Super Bowl setting all-time highs, why am I wrong? Why do they, these guys refuse to acknowledge that there is a huge percentage of basketball fans out there that both loves the NBA and voted for Donald Trump. I used to love the NBA. In the Jordan era, like a lot of you, I was a massive fan. I really liked watching Kobe. I love basketball. I watch basketball all the time. I also voted for Donald Trump. I think there are tens of millions of people like me all over the country. But a lot of people decided they didn't need basketball when basketball threw the middle finger up at them and said, we don't like you, we don't respect you, we don't believe that what you are saying is acceptable. And look, George Carl is even saying this explicitly. Now, I don't know George Carl at all. I've never actually met him face-to-face. I know, again, I used to watch his teams back in the day with the Seahawks and with the Nuggets. Sorry, the, the Supersonics and the Nuggets. Rest in peace, Sonics. 
Sorry, Seattle. Um, but I used to look and, and and watch his teams play, and and here is what George Carl tweeted at me last night. Here are truths for those that let BS sources like OutKick and Clay Travis spin lies. Only 25% of Americans have a positive view of Trump. 75% think he's done at least one illegal or unethical thing. That's not true, George. First of all, that's an opinion. It's not a fact, okay? So when you say here are truths, you are saying this is true, okay? Here is a truth. Water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Here is a truth. Tom Brady won uh, a lot of Super Bowls, seven, in fact, okay? Uh, here is a truth. Nick Saban has won more national championships as a college football coach than any other college football coach currently alive in America today, okay? Those are truths. They happen to be sports facts, but they are truths. Only 25% of Americans have a positive view of Trump. 75% think he's done at least one illegal or unethical thing. That's a made-up opinion of yours. I happen to think it's not true, but it's an opinion. And the 23 NBA playoffs were the most watched for the league in five years. Again, I'm talking about NBA finals. But most watched in five years is not very good, right? That only goes back to the late 2018s. And it's nowhere near the number of people who watched you, George Carl, coach. But why would you be attacking Trump? Why would If you're involved in basketball, why wouldn't you want everybody to be able to watch as much basketball as possible? Uh, this came out of, uh, out of Greg Popovich continuing to to rip Trump and Trump supporters. And George Carl tweeted out an outkick story and said, Pop doesn't hate America. He just hates Trump-loving a-holes like Clay Travis. Well, Trump got 75 million, roughly, according to the tally, 2020 votes. So, George Carl, you're saying, oh, Popovich doesn't hate America, he just hates half of the people who live in America? That's a lot. That's a lot of people to hate. And again, tens of millions of those people voted for Trump and also like basketball. And I don't understand why the sports media, but in particular, so many people who are involved in sports don't understand that. Look, there are all sorts of people that I disagree with politically right? That I enjoy the content that they put out. That's basically how I feel going to a lot of movies now. There, I'm watching right now. I bet, I don't know. I'd love to sit down with him sometime. You know what show I'm watching right now? The Righteous Gemstones. I think it's really funny. My wife said, hey, this is going to make you laugh. You're going to enjoy it. And I don't care about your politics at all. If you can make me laugh, I like jokes. I like humor. I like comedy. I like to laugh. I don't care who you voted for for president. If you can make me laugh, I enjoy consuming your content. That's just me. Maybe you're different. So I'm watching The Righteous Gemstones right now. It's a really funny show. I would 
be happy to have Danny McBride on my show to talk about the righteous gemstones. And also, he could light me up and be like, I think you're stupid because you voted for Trump. But I doubt that Danny McBride, maybe I'm wrong, I doubt that he would would say, I don't want anybody who ever voted for Trump to watch my television show. Because you should be trying to appeal to everyone. Look, I would love it. This book is coming out. I would love it if some Democrats read this book and just considered my ideas, even if they think those ideas are wrong. I read ideas every day that I disagree with. So I subscribe to them. I'm a subscriber to the Washington Post and the New York Times. I disagree with a lot of the opinion and the news coverage there. But I still want to read it because every now and then there's a great piece. New York Times over the weekend had a great piece about a wife who found out that her husband was a dissident Chinese blogger and had no idea about it until the Chinese secret police showed up at her house and put her husband in prison. No idea. It's a great story. New York Times did it. Credit to them. I'm glad to subscribe and have read that story. Every day there are stories, some that I agree with, some that I disagree with, some that I'm just interested in that I'd otherwise not read. Why do the NBA people not understand this? I suspect it's because they've cloistered themselves into such uh, information bubbles that they don't understand all of the people who otherwise would like their product who might have different opinions when it comes to who should be president of the United States. And I think it's a profound failure to not be trying to reach all those people. They'll say, what's your goal? I'm trying to convince people my arguments are right every day. But if you think I'm full of it, if you think that I'm a total joke and an ignoramus, and you think that I am a clown, that's your right. More power to you. It doesn't impact me at all. I'm out here trying to persuade people of the rightness of my arguments. If I was NBA commissioner, I would abandon politics in a heartbeat. And I would say, I'm going to take the NBA back to the era when we try to appeal to every single sports fan in America. Whether you voted for Trump or Biden, we want you to love the NBA. Would Adam Silver even say that today? Would Adam Silver come out and say into a microphone, whether you are a diehard Donald Trump supporter or a diehard Joe Biden supporter, we want you to love our product of basketball. I don't think he would. Think about how crazy that is. I don't think you could get Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA right now, to say whether you're a diehard Trump supporter or a diehard Biden supporter, we want you to love our game and we want you to watch as many games as possible. I think he'd be afraid of what the reaction would be if he said he wanted Trump supporters to watch basketball. And if you think I'm crazy, that's certainly the uh, the method that has been adopted by Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, LeBron James, Adam Silver, George Carl, Mark Cuban. Again, open forum to all of those people. I would love for you to come on my podcast, Long Form Discussion, or come live on the radio show. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm an imbecile. Tell me why you're correct and I'm wrong. I'm open to the fact that you can make a better argument than me. 
And I guess Mark Cuban got mad. He said, you called me a bitch. I think I'm being kind, Mark. I think if you are a billionaire, let me specifically address Mark Cuban here. If you are a billionaire, I am a hundred millionaire, okay? I have more money than I can spend. I am building two houses, just me being honest. I am building two houses presently, each of which is going to cost more than $10 million. One in Nashville, one in on the beach down in Florida, okay? I'm doing that because I'm like, this is what I would like to spend my money on. I don't need a lot of other stuff. I told you before, the only thing I really go and buy, I can buy it at Amazon. I can buy it at Costco. Uh, that's pretty much where I buy everything, okay? I have, in my opinion, FU money. What does that mean? That means I don't have to tiptoe up to anything I believe because no one can do anything to me that is going to keep me from being able to take care of my family for the rest of my life and, frankly, family that I don't even know. My wife and I are probably going to be paying for the next five or six generations of family heirs of ours going to college, starting businesses, buying homes. That's the reality, okay? I am incredibly fortunate. Every morning I wake up filled with extreme gratitude that I get to do the jobs that I do. I don't have to do any of them to make a living, okay? That's just information for me to share with you. I'm not a billionaire, okay? Mark Cuban is a billionaire. But here's the truth. I don't understand what the point of having FU money is if you're too much of a bitch to say what you actually believe. Mark Cuban is a billionaire, but he is wearing golden handcuffs because he's not willing to say every single person in China deserves human rights. Chairman Z, you should not be putting anyone in concentration camps. I'm saying that directly to all of you. It's 100% what I believe. Mark Cuban won't say it. He was offended that I called him a bitch. Well, let me look straight into this camera because I know you're going to watch this clip. Mark Cuban, I'm offended that you are a bitch because all you would have to do as a billionaire, to help lift billions of people under the power of the Chinese Communist Party out of bondage. Legitimate concentration camp bondage is say, that's wrong. Chairman Z, give basic human rights to every citizen in China and under the influence of the Chinese Communist Party around the world. He won't say it. That makes you a bitch in my mind because there are lots of people out there. Many of you may be listening to me right now or watching me right now who are terrified of losing your job that allows you to pay your mortgage, who are terrified of losing the job that allows you to put your kids in school. You don't have a lot of money in the bank. You don't have a lot of resources. You're struggling with 40-year high inflation. You're being lied to by your government every single day. I know what that feels like. 
it wasn't very long ago that I had no job uh, in writing. That's why I started OutKick. And that I was making $40,000 a year with two young kids worried about whether I was going to be able to provide for them. Just about a decade ago. I know what that feels like. And I dream of being able to have the resources and money that I have now so that I could say exactly what I think. That's why I started OutKick. Mark Cuban, you are a billionaire. What are you afraid of? Why are you such a coward? Why are you such a pussy bitch that you won't say, I support basic human rights for the Chinese people? It's because you've got golden handcuffs on, brother. It's because you're not rich enough. You're actually filled with tremendous insecurity. You aren't willing to stand up for what you actually believe in. And that is why the NBA is tanking all over this country. Because you're happy to say America's systemically racist. It's filled with awful people. Fuck you, Trump supporters. I don't even want you to watch basketball. It's what George Carr. It's what Greg Popovich. It's what Steve Kerr. It's what LeBron James, what Adam Silver, it's what Mark Cuban say to the American public every single day. And you're all filthy rich, bathing in the luxuries of American capitalism. And yet you will rip this country to shreds and denigrate it and tear it down. And you won't say a word to China. I'm sorry if you're offended that I called you a bitch, but when I see bitches, I call out bitches. You, Mark Cuban, are a bitch. LeBron James, you're a bitch. Adam Silver, you're a bitch. Every single billionaire that will not say a word to China because they're worried about their golden handcuffs. Oh no, is Chairman Z going to sell my jerseys in Beijing? Fuck all of you. You're cowards. You're hypocrites, and you are pussy bitches. And so, no, I'm not going to apologize for pointing out your hypocrisy. And I'm honored to be doing so because I have fuck you money. And what's the point of having fuck you money if every now and then you don't say fuck you? So fuck all of you. And if you disagree, I believe in the First Amendment. You have an open forum on my programs but you won't do it because you are cowards and because you're bitches, because all you would have to say is, we support basic human rights in China, in the concentration camps. You won't do it. You'll rip Trump supporters to shreds, but you'll bow down and shut up and dribble for Chairman Z. And if you want to know, that's why your ratings have tanked, because tens of millions of Americans agree with every word I just said. Falls in your court. You can either bow down to Chairman Z, or you can step up and support the First Amendment in this country. Your choice. Hey, Clay Travis here. Hope you guys are enjoying OutKick. The show will have more coming back next. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. 
The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Woo! Got fired up there. Okay, we got a bunch of other subjects that I still need to get to. Uh, people say, why'd you, fire, why'd you hire OutKick? Uh, why did you create OutKick? Why do you keep hiring people? What's your goal? Well, I'm excited today. Uh, we hired Riley Gaines. Many of you will know her uh, as a former University of Kentucky swimmer. She swam against Leah Thomas. And when she swam against Leah Thomas, she was willing to do something extraordinary. She spoke out against the absolute absurdity of allowing men to identify as women and becoming women's sports champions. Um, and Riley is now going to be doing a podcast for OutKick. Today we announced that she had been hired. I think this is important uh, because she came on the show and we're going to share some clips she was on Clay and Buck. She's already recorded her first podcast. It's going to be out soon. Uh, but we've got quotes up in a story that only OutKick will cover, as we did. Uh, Megan Rapinoe's retiring. You know, the U.S. Women's World Cup is coming up soon. And Megan Rapinoe said, uh, was asked about whether she, would ex- uh, su- uh, whether she would support trans athletes, that is a man identifying as a woman, playing on the U.S. women's soccer team. And she said, yes, this is to Time Magazine. I'm quoting. You're taking a real woman's place. She said, first of all, absolutely she would support uh, a, a man identifying as a woman on the women's sports. She then said, of the criticism, she said, you're taking a real woman's place. That's the part of the argument that's still extremely transphobic. I see trans women as real women. What you're saying automatically in the argument, you're sort of telling on yourself already, is you don't believe these people are women. Therefore, they're taking the other spot. I don't feel that way. She continued, Oh, now we care about fairness. Now we care about women's sports. That's total bullshit. And show me all the trans people who are nefariously taking advantage of being trans in sports. It's just not happening. Actually, Riley Gaines directly opposes that. She said, a man on our show today, uh, Riley Gaines said, a man could easily take her place discussing Megan Rapinoe. It's true. Men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. But important, Riley's story here is very important. Why is Riley Gaines telling her story? Why is she a public figure now? She was all set to go to veterinary school. She was finishing her career swimming in the Women's NCAA Championships when she had to compete against Leah Thomas, formerly Michael Thomas. And she pointed out the absurdity here of a man who started swimming with the University of Pennsylvania as a men's swimmer suddenly becoming a woman's champion. She didn't choose this situation. She directly competed against a man in women's athletics and a man won an NCAA 500-meter championship. And so Megan Rapinoe's argument is dead on its face because this is directly happening. And it's cowardly of Megan Rapinoe to be willing to make the argument that a trans individual should be able to play on the women's sports team right as her women's sports career ends. This is what left-wing dogmatism demands. It demands that you be willing to say fundamental untruths in order to make the members of your dogma happy. Megan Rapinoe would have no no future in women's athletics at all if 12 or 14 trans male athletes decided to become women, right? 
If men decided to identify as woman, every single women's soccer team position would be taken. Remember, the World Cup champion women's soccer team lost 5-2 to two right before they won the World Cup to a team of 15-year-old boys in Dallas, Texas. Let me repeat that. Our women's soccer team, the best in the world, are not as talented at soccer as 15-year-old boys are in Dallas, Texas. One American city, one group of 15U boys beat the U.S. women's soccer team 5-2. to two. These are not even grown men. These are young teenage boys. They wrecked our U.S. women's soccer team. Not because the women's soccer team isn't skilled. It's because boys, not even men, boys are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. Megan Rapino is signing the death certificate of women's sports in order to be aligned with the left-wing political dogma. It isn't true that women are better than men in sports. It's why the trans sports issue only exists for men who decide to identify as women. Women who decide to identify as men cannot even make a sports team. They aren't good enough. Women, like Megan Rapino, are trying to actually erase women's sports by replacing men who identify as women those men are replacing the actual women. It's crazy. I'm proud that we hired Riley Gaines because I think this is very important. Again, as Riley Gaines said on the Clay and Buck show about an hour ago, a man could easily take her place. And I agree with her. Um, also, a couple of other stories that are out there. I saw this story. Uh, the New York Times shut down their sports department at the newspaper because they bought the athletic one of the biggest pyramid scheme shell games of all time is the athletic all right let me just give you a little bit of background on the athletic and what they did so the athletic is an online sports uh, media company people sign up to subscribe to the athletic they charge you like a dollar a month and a lot of people subscribe and then they forget and they stay subscribed, and they keep running these, like, dollar-a-month promos, everything else, okay? So, the Athletic raised around $150 million. This is why I say it's a pyramid scheme. They used the $150 million that they raised to roll all into trying to get as many people as possible to sign up for their product and to go out and hire all these different writers in all these different markets, and then they poured that $150 million that they got from venture capital, that is money that was given for them to run a business, into their business. They never made a profit. Every dollar that they brought in in revenue, they kept spending more and more of it on marketing. They never, let me repeat this, they have never made a dollar. Outkick, the company that I founded, was profitable from the first month that we started. I went out and sold every advertisement. Literally the month that we started, July of 2011, we made a profit. We made a profit every month that I owned Outkick in the history of its business. 
every single month. Um, the Athletic has never done that. In fact, the Athletic has lost hundreds of millions of dollars. And the company was either going to go bankrupt or they were going to find a stooge buyer. And they completely swindled the New York Times into buying their hundreds of millions of dollar losing company. They could no longer raise any more money at any higher valuation, right? That's the way the game works. They sell, oh, we're going to keep raising the valuation, all these other things. The reality was this business was going to go bankrupt. It was it was tripping towards failure. And then the New York Times, according to reports, swooped right in and paid over $500 million for the company. And the New York Times has continued to lose money with the company. In fact, the company's, I think, run up over $100 million more in losses for the New York Times. And now the bean counters the New York Times are looking around. They're like, seems like a really bad buy, guys. It's like, what did we get? Well, we bought a company that's going to lose us hundreds of millions of dollars and there's no pathway to profitability. What are we going to do? Now the answer is, well, let's just shut down the New York Times sports section, which has existed, I think, since the 1880s. They covered the first Olympics, modern Olympics games in 1896. They're now shutting down and reclassifying the entire sports section because they have to justify the over $500 million that they spent on the athletic. And what's funny about this is earlier this morning, I was scrolling through looking at this, and I was kind of blown away um, because I looked at it and I said, my goodness, this is really funny. Um, they have a quote back in 2017 the New York Times sports section wrote a story about the athletic. And uh, and in that story, um, I thought it was really interesting. The opening paragraph of this, I mean, for, you can't even make this up. New York Times headline in their newspaper in 2017. This is October 23rd of 2017. Why the athletic wants to pillage newspapers. Six years, a little bit less than six years ago, opening paragraph. By the time you finish reading this article, the upstart sports news outlet called The Athletic probably will have hired another well-known sports writer from your local newspaper. In a couple of years, once The Athletic has completed its breakneck expansion, Perhaps that newspaper sports section will no longer exist. The New York Times wrote about the New York Times demise at the hand of the athletic. And what's crazy is this is all a BS shell game. These dudes sold a company for $500 million that's never made a dollar. In fact, they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars. They raised $150 million. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Never made a dollar. They were going to go bankrupt if the New York Times hadn't bought them. And now the New York Times is trying to make sense of this. This is, by the way, woke on woke sports media violence. Because The Athletic has filled its staff with super woke sports writers, the kind of people who think Megan Rapinoe is a hero for saying men should be able to play women's sports. And the New York Times is filled with that place, too. 
And now the Athletic has fired all the people from the New York Times. And I keep saying, I keep thinking, how is it that OutKick has the monster audience that we do and no competition? I keep thinking, it's like I invented beer and no one else will make a beer. And I'm like, hey, you know, people kind of like sports and they don't like woke sports. And so that's our market. And that's what, 80% of sports fans? 90% of sports fans? Yet there's a knife fight for the woke sports fans. And now the athletic has just gutted the New York Times. The New York Times could have, and I hate to give them brilliant ideas here, they could have hired like 10 of the best athletic sports writers, right? 20 of the best athletic sports writers. Probably paid a total of $3 million to them. I mean, I'm not even kidding about this. $4 million? Let's be crazy and say they could have paid them $5 million. They could have hired the 20 best athletic sports writers, got the exact same content, got the exact same value, Instead, they paid over 500 and and only had to commit $5 million. Instead, they committed $500 million so that they could guarantee themselves losing hundreds of millions of dollars. I just, I, I don't get it. And these quant guys, these quant guys who sit around and they're like, well, according to the Excel spreadsheet, the athletic is going to be worth a billion dollars in 2032. I mean, these dudes have no idea. But you're seeing now that the New York Times is like, oh yeah, by the way, this didn't make any sense. I told you it didn't make any sense to pay $500 million when they did it. Could have paid $5 million and gotten anybody that you wanted at The Athletic to come write for the New York Times. Instead, you allowed the, the Athletic to build a Ponzi scheme, a shell game, Never made any money. You paid them $500 million, and now you're doing away with your entire sports section. Why didn't you just hire the 20 best people at The Athletic and expand your sports section and save yourself $500 million? I mean, this is the kind of stuff. I mean, you guys are, like, listening. You're like, yeah, you know, kind of making a lot of sense. This is the kind of stuff sometimes I look around. I'm like, how are there so many dumb people in the world? Right? I'm saying that at the, the New York Times could have gotten the same benefit by spending $5 million. Instead, they spent $550 million. But if you disagree with me, let's say you're like, play, you're crazy. You couldn't have gotten 20 great sports writers for a $5 million salary. I would dispute that, right? 20 great sports writers, $5 million salary. What's the math on that? Because I'm just doing back of the envelope math here. I'm not a, you know, quant genius. I can't explain why the athletics worth $500 million. But let's say I did 5 million divided by 20. 250k for every one of those sports writers, right? Probably get it. Let's say $5 million. Let's say I'm wrong though. Let's say that they're going to say you're crazy. I think you can get almost any sports writer in America for $250,000-ish now. Again, but let's say I'm wrong and you're crazy. Let's say we double it. You can definitely get almost any sports writer in America the 20 best for like $500,000 each, okay? So that's $10 million. I just saved you $540 million, okay? Let's say I'm wrong. Let's say you have to spend $50 million to get these guys. So what did you buy, I, I, I guess is what I'm getting at here, right? 
what asset have you purchased? Well, you bought a company that employs a bunch of sports writers. What else have you gotten? There is no asset there. You just bought a company that has other people under contract. And I haven't even seen anybody at The Athletic like be valuable to the New York Times. It doesn't make any sense at all. They wasted $550 million, And if they had listened to me talk to them for 15 minutes, they would have been like, okay, yeah, this doesn't make very much sense. Let's give Clay $20 million for what he just told us because in the process, he's going to save us $500 million. These people are dumb, right? They're, they, whatever you think about people in positions of power, a lot of them are really dumb. And a lot of them follow whatever the balancing ball is. They don't have any actual vision. And I think you're seeing it happen with the New York Times. I mean, just clip everything I said about the New York Times, take it to Harvard Business School, play it, and they'll be like, yeah, you know, we actually, Clay's right about everything. And those quant guys who were like, you know, in 2029, it's going to be, no, it's total bullshit. They didn't buy anything. And now they're slowly recognizing they didn't buy anything, and they're trying to justify what they spent the money on. Right? I don't even know who the most talented athletic writer is. They're behind a paywall. I haven't read ever an athletic article, to my knowledge. I don't think I've lost anything. But I guarantee you, you could have bought every single one of them, put them behind the New York Times paywall, and done it for $5 million. 10 million at the absolute apex and you would have gotten all the benefit. Instead, you paid $500 million for a Ponzi scheme of a company? You got took to the woodshed, my brothers. Uh, a couple of other stories that are out there. Uh, Disney, speaking of taking to the woodshed, Bob Iger's an idiot. All right, I think Bob Iger had two or three good ideas back in the day. Smart to buy uh, the, uh, the Star Wars movies. Smart to buy Pixar. Smart to buy Marvel. Okay, those are three good decisions. He should have retired on them because instead he came back to Disney and now he's reaping the woke virus that he sowed and spread throughout the Disney Corporation. And if he didn't sow it himself, he allowed it to be disseminated, spread, and now he is rip it, uh, reaping the consequences of his action. Because the story up, Wall Street Journal today, July 4th, which typically is a very crowded time for Disney, all of a sudden, the amusement park crowds are collapsing. And I read this article in uh, in the Wall Street Journal, and I just thought it was funny because they're like, well, this is pretty consequential. This is the smallest crowds we've seen at Disney World and Disneyland in a decade. And they didn't connect the dots, right? Sometimes I'm stunned by how few people connect the dots, right? Okay, if I told you Disney just set a 10-year low for number of people in the amusement parks at Disney World and Disneyland. And they just had the lowest revenue Pixar movie ever to come out. And they just released the new Indiana Jones, and it has bombed at the box office and is likely to cost Disney tons of money. And also, Disney Plus is now losing subscribers. That is, fewer people are signing up every month than were signed up the month before. And ESPN 
just fired a ton of its most prominent talent in an effort to save money. If I told you all five of those things in conjunction, and then I added as a sixth point, oh, just so you know, Disney stock is actually lower priced today than it was in 2014, which is true. If I told you all six of those things, what would you think might be going on? I think almost every single one of you would have a light bulb moment and you would say to yourself, oh, hmm, sounds like to me the Disney brand might not be going that well. I don't think that would be a crazy conclusion. That conclusion, by the way, does not appear in the Wall Street Journal article. But I do think it's very significant to contemplate what is going on here. Bob Iger's Disney company, including ESPN, and I saw it years ago, started to embrace woke politics. And when they did that, they began to alienate people. I'll say it again. Trump voters like basketball. Trump voters like football. Trump voters like Disney movies. They like riding amusement park rides. But if you tell them that you don't like them, a substantial percentage of those people, a.k.a. see what happened at Bud Light, will decide that they don't want to support your product any longer. That's what's happening to Disney. Woke Disney is in real trouble. I just laid out all those facts. 10-year low amusement park, streaming service, losing subscribers, ESPN firing many of their top uh, employees, Indiana Jones, Pixar movies, tanking at the box office. If you're out there, well, nobody goes to the box office. This is the arguments people make. Well, you know, Clay, nobody goes to the box office anymore. Oh, really? The Super Mario Brothers movie just made a billion dollars. The friggin' Super Mario's Brother movie. A billion dollars. One of the five highest grossing cartoons ever. A lot of people are going to the movies. Top Gun Maverick last year. Basically saved movie theaters because so many people wanted to go see it. Okay? Indiana Jones, tanking relative to the other four Indiana Jones movies. Newest Pixar movie, tanking. What is going on here, Disney and the NBA and ESPN, they're Bud Light. Conservative boycotts work. They're actually extremely destructive. And people don't want to acknowledge, for whatever reason, in the media, the power of Trump voters. If liberal voters all of a sudden said, hey, there aren't enough trans people in Disney movies. We're not going to go to the movies. I'll be like, yeah, right. Nobody cares. Even Democrat voters agree with everything that I'm saying about women uh, sports issues. It's crazy, right? Um, but when you actually break it down, Bob Iger seeded the woke virus all throughout the Disney company. He retired. They gave him a golden parachute. He looked like a genius because he made a good decision back in the day, early in his tenure, when he bought uh, Star Wars, when he bought Marvel, 
And when uh, he went out and bought Pixar, but now he's reaping what he sows. Even the Marvel movies aren't doing that well anymore. People are deciding not to support Disney content. And until Disney apologizes, which Disney is not going to do, they got major issues going forward. Uh, finally, you can never be woke enough, right? You can never be woke enough. That is the lesson of the New York Times and The Athletic. Woke sports writers fighting with each other, taking each other's jobs over who's the wokest, right? Because they don't really participate in an actual market of ideas. They participate in the woke market of ideas, which is a tiny business, okay? Look at what happened to Ben & Jerry's. Now, I don't eat Ben & Jerry's ice cream. It's too fancy for me. I don't flavors, like it's Northeastern. Like, I've never been a Ben & Jerry's guy, okay? And that was before they gave Colin Kaepernick his own uh, his own ice cream flavor. I was never, I, I don't know that I have ever had a Ben & Jerry's ice cream. I think that's true. Maybe I've been in one of the stores when I've been on the East Coast at some point. Maybe I've had, a I don't know, four or five Ben & Jerry's in my life. Not very many, okay? Um, but what's interesting is, Ben and Jerry's came out on July 4th and said basically America is an awful racist country and uh, and that there needed to be consequences and we got to take back land and all the stupid systemic racism, like woke virus stuff that you would expect. And then guess what happened? Turns out Ben and Jerry's headquarters is actually on Native American land. I, I can't you can't even make this stuff up. And as a result of Ben and Jerry's being on Native American land, again, you cannot even make this up. Uh, the Native American tribe has said, hey, since you think America is awful and woke and racist and everything else, uh, we'd like our land back. And so Outkick reached out, and I believe I'm correct, at least I was when I sat down and started this show an hour ago. I believe I am correct that so far, Ben and Jerry's has not responded to the demand that they give up their corporate headquarters to the Native American tribe whose land that they stole to build their ice cream shops, uh, their ice cream uh, uh, headquarters on. Oh, the irony here, right? But this is what you need to recognize. And this is what I recognized some time ago, and I would encourage all of you to think about it. You can never be woke enough. Because if you could, the woke virus would end. And that's why, if you think about it, the woke virus has moved from, oh, we need to do things, right? I'll give you an example. We need to change the nickname of the Washington Redskins. Oh, it's so offensive, we've got to change the nickname. Did that end the nickname dispute? No, no, no. They came after Kansas City Chiefs, the Atlanta Braves. And if those teams changed their names, then they'd come after the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They are going to always need to find something that isn't woke enough for them that needs to be rectified. Why? Because if they ever say, America's pretty good, we're satisfied now, then their political power ends. There always has to be something new, which is why the woke virus requires, they can't even find actually directly racist things. The worst thing you could be in America is racist. You lose your job immediately. You can't make a living. No, no. Now they're saying, oh, things are systemically racist. What does that mean? Oh, it means you have to redo the entire country, right? They don't want actual victory. I've said before for years, I'll say, you know what? I'm a reasonable guy. I'll sit down on the other side of the table from the wokest people on the planet. 
and I will negotiate with them, and you and me, we can have a battle, over nicknames for all time, right? I, Clay Travis, as a firm purveyor of the anti-woke sentiment, will negotiate, and maybe I would have given you Redskins, maybe I would have given you the Cleveland Indians, but in exchange, you would have to sign a document saying every other nickname is fine for the rest of American history. They wouldn't do that. Because, or if they did, they just tear up the document. They need, they desperately must have something to be trying to change or else they have to acknowledge what is an immutable and, I think, impossible to defeat argument, which is the United States is the least racist country that's ever existed in the history of the world. It is imperfect because it is founded by men, but we are all incredibly fortunate to live here, no matter what our race, gender, ethnicity might be, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay or straight, male or female. And if you truly disputed that, you would have to explain to me why every single day black and brown people from all over the world die, legitimately die, trying to get here. Because if America was an awful racist place, why would so many people living in majority black and brown countries risk their lives to get here? And of course they wouldn't. And of course that destroys the underlying argument upon which much of this is based. The woke virus destroys everything it touches. It is awful for business. It does not allow for long-range success because it is all about destruction. I want to build things. That's what I've done so far. That's what I'm going to continue to do. I am Clay Travis. Steve Bapp, unless you need to SBAP. This has been Outkick, the show.